So reading from Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Our text uh, this morning comes from um, the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. And we'll see that um, very much follows that theme that we just read in uh, Psalm 90. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Well, congregation, we've turned another page, another year. We've got almost 365 blank pages ahead of us. The pages of 2022 are are all, all completed, they're finished, we've written in them. There are images, they're full of memories. There are family and friends and people that the Lord has uh, put across our path that have helped us to fill up those pages. Most of those people, more than likely, are still here with us. Others, like Wim Burgraff, whom the Lord has taken home. And what a comfort to know that for those who have died in the Lord, like Wim, they've gone to be with Christ. 
Isn't it amazing? We, we sit here and we worship in hope. We, vis- we worship an invisible God. But isn't it wonderful to know that as we're worshiping here, not seeing God physically, Wim sees him face to face. Can you imagine that? But that's what the Bible assures us of. When we die, we go to be with Christ, which is better by far. 2022 is gone. 2023 is before us. It's time for us at the beginning of such a year to to sit down, to be still before the Lord, to listen not to God's advice about our plans and our future hopes for this year. This morning isn't about advice from God. It's about God's directions. God, through his word this morning, is telling us all what we must do. Not what we should do, but what we must do. We need to humble ourselves before God. I think uh, all of us would get a shock if in all his glory, Jesus would suddenly be visible to us. And like saints of the past who beheld visions of God and saw God in his glory, they dropped to the ground and thought that they would die because of what they were seeing. So glorious, so majestic is God. Sometimes I think we forget that when we come together as church in a very special way, as those gathering in Jesus' name, we are coming into the presence of God. And so it's good to humble ourselves, to be ready to listen with hearts wide open. As the psalmist says in verse 12 of Psalm 90, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So this morning, that's what we're here to do. By God's grace, through the Spirit, we're seeking to number our days aright. To remind ourselves through God's Word who we really are, what we really are as human beings compared to God. God who is the creator. God who is the sustainer of life important because when you take a look at the book of James, you find that the people that he wrote to were people who were, as he describes them, double-minded. They went through all the motions of worship. They went through everything you would expect of someone who claimed to belong to Christ, but they lived as though they were independent of God. When you take a look at the book of James, he says in verse 19 of chapter 1 that they were hearers of the word, but not doers. If they were in church this morning, what would they do? They would come in, they would listen, they might even say, great sermon, and walk out and then completely forget about it. It would have no impact upon their life. Hearers of the word not doers of the word. 
And then in chapter 3, James warns these same readers that they needed to be careful about their worldly sort of life, a life that was unspiritual and controlled by, guess who? Not the spirit, but the devil. James doesn't mince any words. He holds no punches. He tells them their lives were devil-orientated. And then he says their lives were focused on self. He puts it this way in verses 2 and 3. You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive. Because what you ask, you ask for with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your on yourselves, on your pleasures. You don't have because you don't ask God. And even if you do ask him, well, it's all about you. What you're asking for, it's got nothing to do with God. It's got nothing to do with your fellow man. It's just to do with what you can spend on yourself. And so there's this strong call in James 4, 4 4-9 about what they needed to do. It says here, and again, no, no punches pulled. You adulterous people. See, they should have belonged to God like in a marriage, but they were flirting with the world. You adulterous people, don't you know that your friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So there in the book of James, we find that in grace and mercy and love, and let's, let's not misunderstand this, the book of James isn't just soccer punching the readers, it's out of love, it's out of grace. God wants to see things different in their lives. God wants to see them whole, fulfilling his purpose for them. When you take a look at the book of James, there's a lot there that at the beginning of a year, you and I need to reflect upon. If you and I honestly underline, highlight honestly, if we were to write down on a piece of paper what we hope for already for 2023, whether it be education, you might be in high school and thinking about what electives you might like to to follow in terms of the senior years of high school, or university, leaving high school, going to university, what are your hopes and dreams with regard to the college that has accepted you or you've accepted out of a few options and the course that you have chosen? What, What are you hoping for? Or business or employment, if you've got your own business or your employee. What are you hoping for? What are your plans for your business? And what are your plans in terms of your employment? Are you going to stick with the same business? Are you going to move on? Are you looking for a promotion? What about a relationship? If you're single, are you hoping to find a partner? If you are in a relationship, especially if you're already engaged, what are your plans for your marriage? And if you are married, regardless of whether you're 
you know, recently married or you're getting on like Florence and I, we're into our, our 40, 40s in terms of anniversaries. Some of you would be 60s or more. Um, what are your dreams and hopes? Hopefully, if, if you are 60 or more and years of marriage, hopefully you've still got hopes and dreams. What are they about? If we were to ask the question, who are your plans? Who are your dreams for and about? And what? What are you planning? What are those plans about? I don't know if at uh, Women's Memorial Service, a Thanksgiving service, this passage will be read, but it often is when we have such service, especially for those who have died in Christ. It says in Romans 14.8, If we live... We live in the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That passage is saying of all of us here this morning that if we are in Christ, if we truly belong to Him, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die this year, we die to the Lord. And that's because we belong to the Lord. In all of that, there's nothing about us in terms of what it's all about. It's to the Lord, to the Lord. We belong to the Lord. Paul in Philippians Put it this way, he was a guy who thought he had it all sorted out as a Pharisee and he persecuted Christians, had them rounded up, put in prison and even put to death until the Lord changed him on the road to Damascus. There are things he used to count more important than anything else, his status as a Pharisee, the power that he had, the authority that he had. He was well respected in the community. Listen to what Paul said. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Not I will, he already had. For whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. Hear that? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Since his conversion, Paul's life was all about Jesus. It was not about himself, about what he could gain, about what respect he could have, about what power he could wield. It was all about Jesus and knowing Jesus better, living for Jesus.
And so it's important for us, as we begin this year, to ask again, my life, who is it about? What are my hopes and my dreams and my plans? What are they about? One of the problems of the readers that uh, James was writing to was that they were business people who were making all sorts of plans. Not that, mind you, plans are anything wrong. I've got plans too. But the plans they were making, they were making in an attitude of arrogance. They were making it without God in the picture. Mind you, these were people double-minded. They were listening to the word, but they weren't doing the word. What were they saying? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. I have to ask myself repeatedly, how far are the plans I make different in terms of the expression of them than what's written here? And disturbingly, I have to admit, that all too often is probably pretty much the same. It's easy to get caught up in what we want to do and we make our plans and we say, tomorrow we're going to do this and next week we're going to do that. We may not say we're going to do this so that we can make money and we can get ahead for ourselves. We might even say, we're going to do this, we're going to do it for the Lord and we're going to achieve this and we're going to achieve that. And this is what's going to happen. We're going to have our five-year plan. And at the end of five years, this is what it's going to look like. It's all the same. It's the same as these merchants. And so through James, the Lord gives these readers a blunt reminder. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. How often do we remember that? When we make our plans, that we remember that we are but a mist. It's there and then the sun comes up and it burns us off and it's gone. Who here this morning can guarantee what's going to happen tomorrow? I can't got no idea. This week I was supposed to have done my uh, annual flight check for the instrument work that's required in the flying of the mission plane that I fly. We had it all set up, the instructor was organised. I had two problems. I was still suffering from the uh, COVID, you know, brain deadness, the fog. Sometimes I felt okay, other times I didn't. And then we had this wind that was around this week. So, as of now, nothing's been done that was planned. Lord willing, hear that? Lord willing. Next Thursday, we'll have the practice flight, and the following Friday, we'll have the final check. Who of us can say what's going to happen tomorrow? I imagine that the people who died in the helicopter crash at SeaWorld 
this past week. One couple, a British couple, just been married. I'm sure they had their hopes and dreams for their marriage, their life together. I'm sure they had more bookings for more things they were going to do. Little did they know when they stepped in that plane, they would not be stepping off it alive. They had no idea that they're about to die. Likewise, Vanessa, the mum of little Nicholas, who's still critical in hospital, she passed away. Nicholas's dad, the wife of Vanessa, is now praying earnestly in the Catholic church that they belong to in Sydney that little Nicholas will survive. Nothing was that, nothing like that was in view at the beginning of this week. In the wheat belt, it's a bit closer to home, in Condedon. There are three young children, one aged one and then aged two and five years. They're starting 2023 as orphans. Car rolled 3 a.m. in the morning on the way home for Christmas. That wasn't the plan. The plan was to have Christmas with family in Condedon. Wasn't the, fam the family's, the wider family's plan that they would now need to bring up orphans, three of them. And yet that's the reality they face. Who are you and I to say tomorrow we're going to do this and that? Next week we will do this and that. By this time we will have achieved this. Psalm 90 doesn't pull any punches as it continues. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. So there we have the picture of God. Before there was even a world, there was God. He's always been. He's everlasting. He's not a mist that disappears when the sun comes up. Then it goes on to say, You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. As we ask that question, what are my dreams about? Who are they about? Is it about this God who is the creator of all things, who indeed is life itself, or is it all about me? like grass that withers or a mist that disappears as it's burned off. Now Psalm 90 reminds us of this disturbing truth that without Jesus, without God's mercy and grace, we are all condemned. We are under the wrath of God. It says there, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Man, that's uplifting for a first service in the new year, isn't it? But it's what we need to hear. 
It sounds depressing. But the next verse speaks of a solution, speaks of grace. It says, Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. The solution is getting back to God. The solution is remembering that he's the creator and we're the creatures. He's eternal, we're not. It's to remember that life, our life, not only this one but also our eternal life are in his hands. And that's why that that passage in John 3.16 is such a favorite even with non-Christians, those who know it. For God so loved the world. This is the same world spoken of in Psalm 90. God so loved the world, what? He gave his only begotten son. So whoever, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's a beautiful passage, but it underlines a truth that we need to remember in line with what we see here in James 4. Because we belong to him, our life like Paul's can no longer be about ourselves. It's not about us. What we do, everything we do, cannot be about us, not even our family. Ultimately, our life, our dreams, our hopes must be about God. Our life is not for us to live for ourselves. Our life is a life to live for Him. As Jesus came as the solution to our great dilemma in terms of not being able to satisfy a God of wrath on account of our sins... In his service of God's mission, he reveals to us how life should be lived, not for self, but for God. In John 4.34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food, in other words, that which sustains me, that which gives me energy to go on, that which gives me life, my food is to do what? is to do the will of him who sent me, and that will is to finish his work. And what was God's work? To save you and me. To provide the ransom for our sins. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Do you remember Gethsemane? There Jesus also demonstrates what a life lived for God is all about. Jesus, knowing what was about to happen, not just the crucifixion, as horrific as that was. Remember, there were two others being crucified, identically, physically as he, but he was going to go through something more horrendous. He was going to suffer God's wrath against all human sin from Adam to the return of Christ. 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, would be the words he would utter on the cross. So when he sees this as being imminent, so close, he tells his disciples that his heart is troubled to the point of death. He could die. It hurts so much. And three times he prays. If it's possible, Father, if there's another way, let this cup be taken from me. And then what does he pray? Anyone? Don't be shy. Help me out. Not my will, but thy will be done. He doesn't pray it once. Each time he goes back, he prays three times. And each time he goes back, it's the same. Not my will, but thy will be done. Would have been so easy for Jesus to say, Father, I see it close up now. I've changed my mind. He had the power to do that. He could have done that. But he knew it wasn't about him. What was in mind was the Father's glory completing the job, getting the mission done. You read that especially in John 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus' prayer before his arrest. He's talking to God, his Father. He's talking about the fact it's done. I've I've finished the mission. I'm ready to go. And this is what he says. When we take a look at this, Jesus says, Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Hear that? I brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. And so when it comes to James and this text of ours, what does James say, say to the merchants? What does God through James this morning say to you and me? Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it's the Lord's will. Your plan, my plan, for tomorrow, for next week, may not be the Lord's will. He may have other plans for us that we don't know. What it's telling us is we need to live dependently upon God. We need to stop our arrogance We need to humble ourselves before God and know that he's eternal and we are but the grass and the mist. Our life is not in our hands, they're in God's hands. When he determines, we will die. If it's the Lord's will. So what do we do with this? What is it that you and I must live for in 2023 and beyond, as many days as the Lord will give to us? Well, the short answer is our life and the decisions we make shouldn't be about us. They must be about God and they must be for His glory. In Romans 14, 7 to 8, it says, None of us lives to himself alone, none of us dies to himself alone. Remember I said that earlier? If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. 
as we remember what it cost for us to belong to the Lord, none of us here can say what's being asked this morning is too much. See, that's the temptation. I know it because I'm human. I'm like you. It's easy to say, wow, if that's what my life must be about from now on, if my hopes and my dreams must be about what can I do for God, how can I bring him glory, not in some things but in everything, wow, that's, that's asking a bit much. But we live, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Why? Because we belong to the Lord. We have been bought at a price. And nothing you and I have to give up in terms of building our own empires comes anywhere near the cost that God has paid for us. In Philippians 1, Paul said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, when we come to church and when we live our lives as Christians, God doesn't want us to play Christian. He wants us to be Christians. He wants us to be more than listeners of the word. He wants us to be doers of the word. In 1 Corinthians 6 it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You were bought at a price. Therefore, on account of that purchase, honor God with your body. You know, the Shorter Catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith has a beautiful first question and answer. I'm sure you all know the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only comfort in life and death? The Shorter Catechism, the Westminster Confession, has this as the first question and answer. What is the chief end of man? You know what the answer is? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's interesting, it's not enjoy God and glorify Him, it's glorify God and enjoy Him because the joy comes out of glorifying Him. To glorify God. What's, what it's asking is, why are you here? You know, so many people today don't know what their life's about. They keep asking that question, I don't know the reason for my existence. Well, the Bible tells us we're here to glorify God. No wonder so many people feel directionless in their life because they reject God. What is your chief end? What is the, 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 the sum goal, the, the ultimate goal that everything you live for must be about? To glorify God. So, brothers and sisters, what are those choices with regard to education I mentioned earlier? What are those hopes and plans with regard to business or employment? What about relationships? Are you able to answer the question, 
who or what are they about? If the answer is not about God and bringing him glory, then it needs to be revised. It needs to be revised urgently. You know, we, we sing a song, and I'll mention it in a moment. Uh, it's going to, we're going to sing it in a moment, Our Great God. But as we sing it, do we really appreciate the words? The third verse goes like this. Help me now to live a life that's dependent on your grace. So you live dependently. Help me to live a life that's dependent on your grace. Keep my heart and guard my soul from the evils that I face. You are worthy to be praised with what? What does the song say? We're going to sing it. What does the song say? You are worthy to be praised with my every thought and deed. In other words, nothing in my life, thinking or doing, should not be bringing praise to God. O great God of highest heaven, glorify your name through me. Easy to sing, but do we really mean it? To mean it means to live for Jesus. And even then, with regard to our hopes and plans in Christ, we're totally dependent. And I finish with these words from Psalm 90, verse 17. May the favour of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. We can't do it. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Sorry, folks, it wasn't a, one sermon that you can go and dance about. But Lord willing, we all will be greatly blessed that we've heard these words this morning. You know, uh, before we came into the service, there was a, a guitar string that had been broken. It needed to be replaced and it needed to be put in tune with the rest of the strings. Well, guess what? This morning is about retuning getting our hearts and our minds in tune with God so that everything we live for, everything we do, and when we die, even our death is for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we give you thanks. We thank you that you are everlasting, that before there was even a world, you already existed. We thank you that even now, you know the beginning from the end. You know what's going to happen in Ukraine. You know when the war's going to finish. You know, Lord, indeed, what's going to happen with regard to our own lives, whether we're going to be healthy all year or whether we're going to contract an illness that's going to have a devastating diagnosis. You know whether you're going to call us home or not. We humble ourselves before you and we acknowledge that we are but grass, a mist. You are the eternal God and we are the creatures. And we marvel that you have loved us so much that in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of the fact that we are ungodly and we're your enemies, that Christ died for us, that you love this world so much, you were willing to pay the price so that we could come home. 
And so, Lord, we, we thank you that we can bring before you uh, people uh, such as William and the family. We thank you that with him, that you were with him, Lord, that he had this confidence that indeed even in the times that his mind would have been confused, yet you were present with him. We thank you for that comfort and we ask that you'll be with the family, not only at the time of the service, but also leading up. We pray, Lord, that you'll comfort them and strengthen them. Be those, with those who are sick, we think of Inna Vendizi. We pray that you'll be with her and, and others as well. We pray, Lord, that they may place their life, their health in your hands, knowing that your will and purpose is being worked out. And so, Lord, wherever we are in our lives, we, we pray that you'll help us to do this tune-up this morning. Help us, Father, to, to look at your word as we've done. Through your spirit, help us not to go out and forget about it as the people in James Day did. Help us to be listeners and doers. Transform us through what we've heard this morning so that this year, in whatever we think, say or do, that you will be praised and worshipped through us. And so, Lord, work that. We can't do it, but through your Spirit, you can make that happen. We pray that we may be your servants, not bringing attention to ourselves, but bringing attention to you. This we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, let's uh, stand and sing that song and then we'll receive the Lord's parting blessing. <laughs>